but I, I'm always thankful that we do have the opportunity to do this. We do have technology. Certainly that we have God's word. I, I hope you all enjoyed last week. Mark Ryan, uh, our guest with us, Mark is, uh, he's a great dude. I, I hope you could tell from that in our interaction. Um, he's not only someone that speaks it, but actually lives what he says. And so I, I was refreshing for me to have him, him come and to, to, to share his thoughts. So, uh, we've been we've been in this weird uh, COVID season. What are we going to talk about? So Ryan and I have decided just to continue to talk about the promises of, uh, of Jesus, the promises we see. We've been focused on John's gospel at 13 through 18, that uh, uh, through 17, I guess, that farewell discourse as Jesus is making his way, the final week of his life, the final sayings with his disciples. So we're going to pick up here uh, John 14. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 20. Uh, I'm going to read 15 through 20. I'm not sure if it's on the screen, um, but I'm going to read these verses to us, um, and we'll focus on the latter part of verse 18 to 20. But hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, in my Father, you in me, and I in you. This is God's very word to us as people. Um, it was, I, can't, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, um, April 4th, 2018. So just a couple of years ago, uh, me, it was my, it was a Wednesday. It was my off, off day that week. And me and Katie and the kids, we went down to New Orleans. Uh, the kids, particularly Aiden, had been di- dying to see the World War II Museum. So we finally went down there to take a visit. And uh, about halfway through our time there, or through our planned time, we got a phone call from my sister um, that my mom um, had had an accident. So our time was cut short, and we made our way back. And I, I was not—I was worried as always, but not overly worried. My mom had had many health issues and had been in the hospital multiple times, as many of you know. And so I was certainly concerned, but um, didn't know quite what I was walking into. And then we got back to Mobile and went to see her in the hospital, uh, and she was she was unresponsive. And um, she proceeded to be uh, the following days, and she had fallen and the, the 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 hit her head and the brain bleeding, combined with uh, the blood thinner she was taking was would be a would be a deadly combination. And so uh, within a few days, we were um, talking about taking life support off and bringing in hospice. And that Sunday, the 8th, so just a few days later in April, she she passed away. And uh, I, I remember, some of you know, my, my father died in college while I was at college. So I remember that last few moments with her, even though she couldn't communicate being beside her bed and then when they finally pronounced her dead uh crying and crying and grieving but i remember saying this these words 
I'm, I'm an orphan. I, I feel like an orphan. Um, and, uh, you know, um, dad was gone, mom was gone and my grandparents had deceased. I have aunts and uncles, but I was thinking there's no one above me in the lineage. There's no one ahead in my parents, grandparents. Uh, and that crazy thought, a 37 year old man at the time, wife, kids, but I felt in that sorrow, uh, fatherless, motherless, uh, as an orphan. And that experience, in my experience, is not that unique. I've sat with 65-year-old men who have watched their 95-year-old father die, and he's the second parent to die, and they've said something similar. I, I don't have any – I feel like an orphan. I don't have parents. There's no mom or dad. There's a sense of knowing we're meant to have guidance and care from those that are above us, those that gave birth to us, those that brought us into this world, to not have that. There's a sense of uncertainty. There's a sense of fear. Uh, there's a sense of anxiety that comes about. Jesus says these words, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Um, he's speaking of a very, very deep place in a deep reality to make that comparison. The first thing it assumes is that being an orphan is a really, really bad thing, right? To be an orphan is to be. Uh, Without nurture, without care, without guidance of mom and dad, uh, if you've ever been to an orphanage or another country, you you know you you basically leave and you cry for hours to see kids without uh, moms and dads. Um, the stories are so sad, and so there's an assumption this is a really sad thing, and so Jesus is going to speak into that against that because he's leaving. It also speaks to the deep, deep relationship that these disciples would have had with Jesus. They have given it all to him. Their full allegiance. So much so that Jesus is going to say, it's going to feel like I'm abandoning you. It's going to feel like uh, in China that they take little girls and they drop them off because they don't want them anymore. Uh, it's going to feel that way, but I am not going to leave you as an orphan, Jesus says, to reassure these grown men that he is there because he's going to tell them terrible news to them a few, a few verses later. In a little while, and the world will see me no longer. And he has already said that he is leaving this world. And so to them, it's as if though they've lost a parent, their spiritual guide, actually more than a parent, because they've left parents to follow Jesus. And now he, the one they put all their hope in, is leaving and departing. And so he sends them this word of assurance. And he softens it. He says, I will come to you. I think this promise that I will not leave you as orphans, I think it speaks to sort of the core of all of our fears. Um, we all have fears. We all have doubts. We, 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 we wrestle with, uh, are we enough? Um, are we a failure? Uh, are we going to make something of our life? Uh, are we just so broken? Are we just such a mess? Um, but I think below those, uh, at the core, is this fear of, um, will I be alone? Will I be abandoned? Will I be forsaken? In, in the COVID period, we've gone from, uh, are we going to get sick? Is my loved one going to get sick and die? 
Uh, am I going to have a job? Am I going to get a paycheck? Am I going to um, have food to eat? Uh, am I going to be, you know, isolated? Uh, what's it going to be like? And so we've wrestled with all of these things, but all of those fears underneath those is a fear that we will be ultimately forsaken by the Lord. Um, if you've seen uh, psychological studies seem to indicate that people uh, are incredibly resilient, that they can deal with so much. Uh, I mean, they can go through so much pain uh, if there's someone present. You think about men uh, or men or women going to war and you think about the awful things they see and yet they seem to thrive in some way on the field because there's a sense of like band of brothers, right? And then they come home and they're isolated and they're alone and they struggle. Uh, or people that have gone through horrendous cancers and they've, they've fought valiantly, but they've had people around them to support them. And they've, they've overcome and they've pushed through because of support, which is, makes this COVID so difficult. People are, in many ways, the psychological impact of being isolated in a hospital room away from family uh, has, has got to uh, make the problem worse. <laughs> in many ways, understand the safety reasons, but the psychological impact of being alone. We've seen those struggling through loss and suffering through all kinds of difficulties, but um, if there's presence, if they're not left alone, if there's guidance and care, we're very resilient. But Jesus here uh, speaks to disciples' fear. He knows they're afraid. He knows they must be overwhelmed. I mean, think about this. They have left their jobs. They've left their mother and father, many of them. They've opened themselves up to ridicule. They've given themselves fully. And now um, Jesus is going to leave them. Um, you know, if you, I've been watching that, uh, that Netflix series, the Waco. Have you seen that? Anybody seen that? It's a, uh, you know, David Koresh. Some of you, some of us were alive when that happened, but, it was a crazy time I'm watching. It's really fascinating to me. But what's really amazing is uh, these people, like smart, fairly educated people, like uh, sound people, common sense people, give themselves wholeheartedly to follow this cult leader. Um, and uh, it ends up, you know, he's charismatic, but he's also crazy in many ways. And it ends up tragic, tragic. They've given themselves. And these men have followed Jesus and given everything. And now Jesus is going to say, I got to go, guys. I got to leave. But he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Why, why would he put them through something so difficult? Um, isn't that the question we ask when we go through something? Why, why are we going through this? Why are we going through whatever it may be for you? Or why are we having to go through this? And I think for the text, there's a couple of things I want to draw out by way of application for us um, that we can see for our own lives. For the disciples, they endure the difficulty of Jesus leaving because he has more for them. They endure the difficulty because they have more. The beginning of cha chapter 14, listen to these verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take to you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is leaving. He's departing. 
but he's already told them in this chapter, as I leave, I'm going to prepare a place for you eternally. In other words, you will feel orphaned in the moment to have an eternal home with me as father. You will suffer for a while, but I'm going to give you something even better, even greater. Um, Ryan mentioned a couple weeks ago, John 16, that whole pangs of childbirth. Uh, and I'm, uh, admitting here, I have no experience with that, uh, lady. So, um, uh, but from what I've observed, it doesn't seem very pleasant, uh, the birthing process. And yet, sorry, Celeste, I can see your face. Uh, and yet, <laughs> and yet what overshadows it? The, the, the groaning, the difficulty is overshadowed by the joy of what's to come. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to leave, but, but hang on. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Your difficulty now is actually for something more later. I think there's a parallel for us. Um, we, we know that Jesus has gone to the cross. We know he's ascended. But we know also that as Jesus deals with us in difficulty and hardship, it's always, it's always to give us more of himself. It's always to do that. So our difficulty, our anxiety, our fear, our worry, our struggle, financial, health, relational, whatever difficulty it may be, the grief you face is always meant to bring us into greater depth with Jesus. It's always suffering uh, difficulty for a purpose to change us, ultimately to take us to himself, that we would be with him eternally. You know, when I go on a trip or without the kids, they're, maybe they're sad I'm leaving and, and I'm going somewhere fun to them, and they're like, oh, Dad. And I say, what? Well, I'll bring you something really cool back, you know. It's sort of a way of dealing with not wanting to deal with it by bribing them. But anyway, I'm going to bring you something really cool. It'll be, it won't be that long, and I'll get to bring you a present back. Um, and it's sort of a way of, of, of satisfying or pacifying them in the moment of loss. Of the father has left for the trip. Jesus says to them, hey, guys, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you a place, an eternal home. Um, with the Lord. That's the first thing I see. The second and final thing is that, um, you know, we're like our children, those that have them. Uh, we're not very patient children. So uh, that, that works for a minute. We're going to prepare something in the future. Okay, great. But how long, oh Lord, right? We wait in sorrow. We wait in struggle. We wait in difficulty. We wait, we wait, we wait. Second purpose to this difficulty is the disciples endure difficulty to know, as in intimately, to know the spirit of Jesus. Listen to this, read verse 15, again, 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, yet you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus, Jesus is leaving. Jesus is 
bringing upon sorrow to give them his spirit, his spirit to send the spirit. Without the loss, there's no gift of the spirit. The spirit is the one that comes to be the comforter, to be the, 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 the helper, to be the friend, to be the advocate, to come alongside. And so in a sense, the disciples don't get the full spirit of Jesus unless they let go of Jesus, unless he is lost in some way. And this is the cool thing. Verse 20 speaks of this union we have with Christ. This is the core of the gospel. Listen to this. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. So Jesus is in the Father, and you are in me. So the disciples and us are in Jesus, in Christ, right? All of Paul's word, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So Jesus is in the Father. We're in Jesus. And then he says, and I am in you. So we're in Jesus, and he is in us. How is he in us? He's in us by the Holy Spirit that he sends. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are there, and we get engrafted in, we get brought in. The Greek early church fathers used to talk about the, the sort of the dance of, of this, the Trinity, the, the three in one, and yet we get brought into that divine relationship because Jesus leaves, because they face sorrow, we get partnership with the indwelling Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? That means that we don't walk through anything alone. That means we're never abandoned. That means we can handle difficulty because we have a comforter, we have a helper. That means he's with us in trials and difficulty and hardship. Maybe you've known this. I I certainly have um, in those trials I mentioned to begin with. I've known something of the sweetness of the Spirit of God in trial far greater far more than in, than in great, easy moments. It's in the difficult place. It's in the broken place, poor in spirit, where the Spirit of God comes and ministers and meets us. And Jesus has sent him to do that, that I will never leave you. I will not leave you as orphans. And so our encouragement, my encouragement is for us, is that we have the Spirit indwelling us, if you belong to Jesus, to fan into flame the Spirit. We can walk with the Spirit as we engage through prayer, through His Word, through the body. We're not to grieve the Spirit. We're to, we're to do what Josh urged us earlier to do, is to, to cut off sin, to die to sin, that we might know the intimacy and connection of Jesus, the sweetness of Jesus by His Spirit. And this promise is true pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID, forever. We have the Spirit. And Jesus has given these disciples, these men that have known um, His relationship and are about to lose it. He gives it to them to reassure them, hey, guys, it's going to feel awful. But I'm not leaving you as orphans. And I will come to you. And as He leaves, He, as he, leaves, he says, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you an eternal home. And I'm going to give you my Spirit. The truth about my mom in that moment, me, pray, me, me saying, you know, I feel like an orphan. Um, it was true to the way I felt. It, it still some ways feels true to how I feel. Uh, a bit of loss, not a bit, a lot of loss. At times of parents, a sense of sort of loose-footedness 
with mom and dad being gone. That, that's with me. That will stick with me my life, my whole life. And for those that have lost parents, you know something of that reality. And yet it's not true uh, that I was an orphan or am an orphan. That in, in Jesus, in Christ, in that relationship, he indwells us. And in that indwelling, he secures us. And he binds us by his strength and by his love to himself forever. That in struggle and fear and doubt and worry and even in death, I'm not abandoned. I'm not left. You're not left. And that's more than Jesus can say. Because at least for three days, he knew something of abandonment, didn't he? Scripture doesn't use the word orphan, but it does use the word forsaken. On the cross, Jesus quotes that cry of dereliction from Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus tells the disciples, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to leave you orphan. And Jesus is telling his father, you have forsaken me. Think about that. The thing that he has promised he would never do, he has bound himself not to do, secured in his blood, he is experiencing at least for those three days as he is separated from the Father. He doesn't call him Father in those moments. He calls him God. It's a a distancing (laughs) as he is cut off. Why is he cut off? That we could not be cut off. That we would never be cut off. That in our our isolation, our loneliness, our struggle, whatever we may go through, whatever we are going through. I hope today has been a day of great joy. This, this last week, the weather, I hope it's been a great joy to you, and it continues to be. But the good news is that good days or bad days, we are secure that the Spirit of God lives within us, the helper, the comforter, so that we are never alone because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. Hope that encourages you tonight uh, to know he's with you. May you lean upon him. May you pray, Father, Son, and Spirit, and ask for his presence and his tenderness and his comfort. Let me pray. Jesus.